Welcome, listener, to another exciting week of This Week in Mormons with your hosts, Melissa and Matt. Hello. So good to be back. We got a lot of fun things to talk about today. Yeah, there's so much going on in the news. Last week's format was a little bit more of an interview format. Mm -hmm. So we're going to cover news stories from both weeks, last week and this week. Yeah, we are. It's going to be awesome. Hey, Matt, you're coming to us from afar. You're in a new location. Yeah, if you watch on YouTube, I look like I'm locked in a closet somewhere, but I'm not in a closet. I'm in a a hotel in Oklahoma. Oh, nice. You may not have heard of this place, unless it's called Grand Lake, Oklahoma. Never heard of it. They have 1,300 miles of shoreline. Oh, wow. Of what? Lake shoreline? Yeah, Yeah, it's a big lake. Like It's like Lake Powell. Only um, there's more bugs here and it's humid. So the temperature outside, I think, is 95, but the heat index, what it feels like, is 105. Wow. Yesterday, the heat index was 118. And we went out at like... That is so hot. I know. We went out at like uh, 8.30. Because we mm-hmm. wanted to go see the fireflies. So the sun goes down a little bit earlier here because we're further south. So, you know, the sun was going down and it was the heat index was like 110, like with no sun, just the when heat. When the sun is down. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Is there any like rain or humidity? Yeah. So that's what's causing it is there's a there's like rainstorms moving through and it, that causes humidity and then uh-huh. mix that with the heat and then it just feels so hot. Yeah. And you're there because um, you're visiting your daughter's mission, right? Yeah. So we're visiting the people that she uh, taught while she was on a mission. Uh And um, what we're trying to do is we want to see them like during the weekend. And so we're spending the week out here at the lake so that, you know, we can see more people. I don't know. And kind of have a vacation. Yeah. And. Yeah, and after three days of visiting people, as we were all a little fatigued, and so it's nice to kind of get a break. And then our sister lives out here in Kansas, Melissa, so she came down to visit us. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, it was so a lot I'm, of fun. I'm picturing this lake. Is it like Bear Lake, where it's one huge lake, or is it like a lot of tributaries and windy yeah, rivers and stuff? It's like Lake of the Ozarks, or maybe Lake Powell is a good way to think of it, where uh-huh. you've got a dam. And then it fills up and then fills in all these little like canyons and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of trees. So it's super, super green. So it's, it's like Lake Powell with vegetation everywhere. Awesome. Tell yeah. me this. When we're in Utah, um, we pass sometimes like, for example, I went down to a fireworks show in Centerville, Utah, and I'd never been to that fireworks show before. And on our way to the location, just from the highway to the location, we passed eight LDS chapels. Like, we passed so many church buildings. Is that what it's like in Oklahoma? <laughs> <laughs> um, if you don't talk LDS church buildings, sure, there's a yeah. lot of church buildings, uh-huh. but they're not LDS. So yeah, um, we were in a city called Chickasha. Um, Melanie spent a lot of time in that city. That city has, I would say it's maybe the size of Preston, Idaho. Wow. So has, really small. Uh-huh. It's famous, if, if the listeners want to have some interesting sight, you know the leg lamp from um, A Christmas Oh, yeah, from story? The Christmas... Uh-huh, yeah. They have an enormous, it's probably 50 feet tall leg lamp at the, <laughs> fair, the fairgrounds in Chickasha. Claim and the fame. <laughs> apparently, the person who designed the original leg lamp spent his life in Chickasha, and so... Really? Uh-huh, and so the arts <laughs> people decided to build a giant one in honor of him. Um, anyhow, they have a lot of church buildings, probably more church buildings there than there are LDS buildings in Preston. 
yeah. um, Idaho. But there's only one small LDS branch. I think maybe like 50 people that are LDS. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, it's very different than Utah. But it's yeah. that's how the Midwest is. Of course, yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys got to go out there and visit. That's super fun. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I highly recommend anyone who has a child that serves a mission, go back to their mission if you can and just spend a little bit of time and... Like we're taking pictures of the apartments where she lived. And yeah. Taking, like just go see everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Well, Matt, I'm going to open up the mailbag. All right. Um, you might remember a couple of episodes ago, in the middle of our episode, we were talking about Grandpa Beck. He's the creator of many, many card games. And wait, specifically, wait, we were is, talking about Skull mem- King. Is he a member yeah. of our church? Yeah, he's a member of the church, which I didn't know before we um, started talking about him. But yeah, Grandpa Beck is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. and um, But yeah, he's a super well-known card maker. Um, he, he's made a lot of games. Skull King, I think, is the most popular, at least with the people that I play with. But I did start playing a new game of his this week. I can't remember what it's called, something about dragons. But Cover your assets. You, no, it's not Cover Your Assets, although that one's really popular too. Cover um, Your Kingdom. Nope, not Cover Your Kingdom. Have you ever played Scum? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a takeoff on Scum, except it's elevated a lot. And the rules are a lot more clear because I feel like every time you play Scum, you have different rules. And anyways, it's just got a few more um, interesting dimensions to it. Um, I did text Grandpa Beck while we were playing it because he says on his card games, give me a text if you have a question. He's so – like, Matt, he's so cool. Like, (laughs) my text thread with him, he's always so polite and kind. And I try not to, like, text him too much, but he always responds. Anyway, so a few episodes ago, we were talking about Grandpa Beck. And I just texted him like in the middle of our podcast and he did text back. And I'm sorry, I forgot to report back on it, but um, this is what Grandpa Beck texted back. So he said, for you listeners of TWIM, kudos to everyone who lives well, blesses others, works diligently and plays hard. Life is really all about relationships. It's important to work, but also to play. Best wishes. And thank you. Thank you to all of those who have served or now serve to protect and defend freedom. So that's from Grandpa Beck, straight to our listeners. When he says play, is it like just I can only play card games or I can play Only card games. He only (laughs) wants you to play card games specifically. (laughs) I can't play. I can't play my way. I have. No. He sounds like a nice guy. He's such a a nice guy. Yeah. And he'll text like he texts. Um. When he responded once, he texted a picture of him and his wife out in the backyard playing cards. And he said, text me a, fam- a picture of your family playing cards together. And so I did. And yeah, he's sweet. He's a nice guy and definitely makes great games. So, And he chose out. to be known as Grandpa Beck. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Well, that's great. I do like to play his games. I mean, as much as I yeah. like to play any games. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey, let's get to the news, Melissa. Okay, let's start with some quick clips where we just kind of run through things fairly quickly. The first story we have is that in Salt Lake City, there's a piece of property that the church owned, and they are going to turn... They have sold it. So it used to be a church house, kind of. It was more of like a big rec center, but it was owned by the church, managed by the church. And it's just gotten really old. And um, there was some talk a while ago that they were going to turn it into like a homeless shelter. But um, instead, the church has sold it to... um, it's to a developer called Ivory Innovations, but Ivory Innovations is, they're kind of a nonprofit and they work with a lot of groups around the West to try and get affordable housing. So this particular area of Salt Lake is really poor. And so Ivory Innovations is going to turn this old church gymnasium um, into 
actually a lot of housing. So inside um, where like the big gym area is, they're going to turn it into 30 apartments. Can you imagine living into living in an apartment that was once a I'm a trying church to figure gymnasium? out what this thing was. Is it like it was a Deseret gym? Or no, like not a- like that. It was really just like a great big gymnasium. Um, that like, just kind of like a community center that the community could use. And this is in like Salt Lake city. Uh Yep. Downtown Salt Lake. Yeah. Okay. So So, yeah. So they're turning the inside into 30, um, apartments and then there's a baseball field. So some, some property next to it, and they're going to turn that into 36 townhomes and about half of those townhomes will be specifically for low income housing people. So yeah. yeah, So so is yeah. this like Rose Park area downtown, yeah. do you think? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. I've yeah. noticed like um, downtown Salt Lake City has become multifamily housing, kind of like if you drive by West High School, it's uh-huh. like you see these old houses and you say it's just a matter of time before somebody buys those, tears those down and turns them into condos or townhomes uh-huh. or something like that. Yeah. Well, housing in housing in Utah is expensive. It's not very affordable. Um, but also like buying, being able to find land to build housing on is pretty expensive. So I think this is a good use of a building that would have had to be torn down anyway. Um, yeah. So maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll rent an apartment in an old church building. Kind of fun. (laughs) I think that this is happening with a lot of church buildings in Utah, especially in like the urban areas. So there was another church that was in downtown Salt Lake city, kind of by the conference center. Uh-huh. It had uh, an iconic um, stained glass window of the first vision in it. Oh, and yeah. The, the church sold that to like, I think it was American Heritage Academy or something uh-huh. like that. Yeah, like, a, a private school. Yeah. So they're getting rid of church buildings. Uh, maybe that's a common thing, right? As neighborhoods change and and uses change, then they say, we don't need like a building in an area where there's nobody living there. Sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fascinating, Melissa. I know. (laughs) Okay, my story is um, apparently there was some kind of a tech conference at Deer Valley. Is it Deer? No, I think it was Deer Valley Resort. Anyhow, it's a lot of like tech CEOs get together and then reporters come and ask them questions about things. So Cloudfair, their CEO was talking about Silicon Slopes in Utah and talking about the good and the bad of the tech sector in Utah. And I think the question was something like, how do you make it so that um, could Utah maybe overtake Silicon Valley as like the tech capital of the world? Uh-huh. And they were saying, well, there's some good and there's some bad. So in Utah, uh, he says, we've got this exclusion culture that hurts tech in the state. He specifically talked about misogyny and attitudes about the LGBTQ community. Huh. But he said, but on the other side, there's these Mormon missionaries who grow up to be great salespeople after all, they're selling the hardest thing in the world for two years. And yeah. so then when they come back from their missions, they're just great salespeople. Huh. And I wondered what your take is on that. Like, um, do you think he's right about that? Well, here's the thing. Um, so Silicon Slopes is in the Lehigh area of Utah. And it is basically, uh, it, it, it is so many startups. I think the reason Silicon Slopes is so successful is because Utah has a very entrepreneurial spirit. Yes, do we have a lot of good salespeople? Sure. I think the missionary force comes back and there's a lot of those people who are really good at selling. But I think it's more the work ethic and the entrepreneurial spirit and that has created so many of those companies and made them successful. That and just a small hint of multi-level marketing. (laughs) (laughs) I I do Um, think... 
Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I do think that missionaries learn to accept rejection, mm-hmm. which is an important life skill. Like whether you're a salesperson or not, there's a lot of rejection in most careers in life. And people who mm-hmm. try to avoid rejection uh, often have a harder time thriving in various industries. Yeah. So I think there's that. But I wonder what, if you think he's right about that silicone, that Utah needs to become more inclusive to the LGBTQ. Yeah. I'm not sure about like I, Utah. I disagree with to, that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that maybe that's a perception, but I don't actually think that's true, especially, um, you know, on June, um, the first Sunday of every June, Salt Lake hosts a pride parade to kick off pride month. Right. Um, that pride parade is so well attended. I'm talking, I'm talking like almost a hundred thousand people went to it this year. I think it was 80 to 90,000 went to just the parade on a Sunday morning in Salt Lake city. Like there's a lot of support. I also don't see out and out bigotry, um, towards LGBTQ in our community. I think maybe there's a perception of it, but I don't think a business can be successful, honestly, if they're biased against anybody. So, I don't it's, necessarily feel like that's true. Like if you're going to compare it to San Francisco, then you say, okay, sure. Like Utah is not as inclusive as San Francisco would be to the LGBTQ community. At the same time, there's a lot of people that there's things in San Francisco that people don't like that they're yeah. leaving San Francisco because of the right. negatives in San Francisco. So I think right. there's different kinds of people in the United States and you don't have to say, we're just going to copy San Francisco to try to make Utah successful. You yeah. can say we're a different kind of place than San Francisco and come here if you want. Don't come here if you don't want. But I don't yeah. think that like what he's talking about is the negatives are necessary. Now, if there's yeah. sexism, I, sexism is going to be bad for any company for sure. Sure. But but I don't think being family focused is the same as being anti-LGBT. I don't think that's the same thing. Yeah. And I think our culture is family focused. But I mean, we also we have a great economy. Um, and yeah, and I, I think that is because we do have a lot of, yeah, hardworking entrepreneurial types and, and hardworking people who work for those companies. So yeah. Yeah. Anyways, interesting. Okay. So, um, FSY season for the strength of youth, that's those, um, summer camps that they have for the youth all over the world. Um, so FSY season is, uh, going strong right now. And I just found a couple of articles that's kind of cool. So first off in Tanzania, um, they held the first FSY conference in Tanzania, which is in Central Africa. Yeah, Central Africa. And they had over 300 youth go and participate wow. and have a great experience. Lots of good speakers, you know, all the things you'd expect, dances, um, socials, um, scriptures, all the things. Does and, it say um, who, who came to speak in Tanzania? Like who goes? They to had Tanzania? a general authority 70 and I'm going to slaughter his name, but it's Elder Thierry K. Mutombo. Oh, Elder Mutombo. He's um uh-huh. my son's favorite general authority. Okay. Oh, so good. Okay. Someone yeah. from the Africa general presidency probably yeah and then they also had like presenters from family search africa um they had a lot of great things going on so i just thought it was cool that those youth got a chance to participate in something that's probably very different from what they normally do in their summertime and then also in the philippines so in the philippines we actually opened an entire facility that's just for fsy so it's on 24 acres this thing is huge and amazing. So it's got dorms, it's got cafeterias, it's got an amphitheater, it's got um, places for sports and all this kind of stuff. And it's going to be open to uh, about 7,000 youth every single year to go there and, and participate in FSY. Isn't it a great idea? That is yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the United States, 
um, everybody travels to a local university or something, right? Because yeah, col- colleges are out for the summer, and so you can go stay in the dorms or whatever. But yeah, and I so the church you- kind of coordinates with them to host FSY camps. Yeah. But I'm sure you can't do that in the Philippines. So no, yeah, there's nothing like this. Yeah, I I hope we see a lot more of this throughout the world because what a great thing. I mean, I would hate to be a youth in one of those foreign nations and hear about FSY and all the cool things that the kids in the United States are doing and be like, yeah, stinks for us, you know? But I I appreciate that we're putting a lot of money and thought into providing opportunities everywhere. I think that's awesome. And 7,000 young people in the Philippines. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, the next story is about, um, this is a story from Australia. They say that the LDS Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is restructuring some of its, uh, I think they called them shell companies, um, to avoid Hmm. tax problems in Australia. So Australia has different rules about taxing religious organizations and charities and things like that. Yeah. And so they're saying that um, the church is changing. So we know that the church went through stuff here in the United States. And it looks like they're restructuring things in Australia. So that Well, this is a story I remember hearing about a while ago. So I think what happened was for um for saints in Australia, if they wanted to pay their tithing just directly to the church, then it wouldn't be tax deductible. But if the church set up a separate charity and said, Don't don't donate your don't don't give your tithing to the church, give it to the church's charity, then those donations could be tax deductible are deductible. And so that's what they were doing just for ages and ages, just having the saints pay their tithing to the charity instead of directly to the church. And And then the individuals could have a tax deduction. Yeah. Just to make it better for the saints there. Uh Um, And I don't think what they were doing was illegal or wrong at all, but some people just kind of noticed it and pointed it out and said it looked shady. And so now the church is saying, okay, we won't do that anymore. Basically. Oh, so yeah. the members of the church don't get to deduct their their tithing. Right. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. Different countries, different laws. Yeah, yeah. So that just kind of came out because they're changing that policy now, I guess. And and um, yeah, that's all. Okay. All right. Well, that's hey, not Matt, as big a deal as I thought it might be. <laughs> I mean, I think some people will make it a big deal. No, no, no. Yeah. Maybe maybe we need to hear from people who actually live in Australia. Maybe we have a pretty shallow understanding of it. Wouldn't be the first time, Matt. Wouldn't yeah, be hey, the first time. <laughs> hey, hey, reach out to us, saints in Australia. Let us know about this because clearly we're ignorant. We don't know. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Matt, um, do you know what you know a lot about? Huh? Music. Oh, I do. Matt, I you're such I a good singer. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We did a lot of singing in our early years. Um, yes. Do you remember Lyda Rose? I do. I remember that you, you and I would. Right now? Nope. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Nope. Those are memories that I've buried. Yeah. uh, I'd like to, but you know what? I think we were legendary in the Weaver School District uh, solo and ensemble competitions. Oh, yep. 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 We did a lot of uh, singing and dancing. Our mom's very talented musically, and we would sing. We would go to, we would go to, we did road shows. We would go to rest homes and perform for them. Well, we did the fair sometimes at amateur night at the fair. That's right. What a great way to grow up, Matt. I know. Everyone who who didn't get to do that, I, I you're probably jealous of us. Yeah, probably. I really <laughs> thought we were gonna be the next Osmonds, Tony and Marie. <laughs> okay, well, the reason I bring it up 
is because the church is seeking for members with musical skills. So worldwide, any kind of musical skills. And what they're doing is just creating a big database. It's called the talent database. And anybody in any part of the world who has any sort of musical talents, you could be a singer or you could be like, a drummer, or I don't know, maybe you're really good on the technical end, like you're good at editing music, or I don't know, any sort of a musical talent, they want you to um, join the talent database. And then they're going to pull from that database for things that they need. So maybe they're doing like a casting call for music in like a church video, or maybe they want a fireside or, you know, the church puts on a lot of big music shows and stuff like that. So, um, and, and they say like, don't think you have to just have traditional music skills, like any culture, any type of music, we want you in the database. And then they might use it for like, I don't know, education, training, um, devotionals, broadcasts. Yeah. 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 I really, really like this. Sometimes I'll move to like a new stake and there's like a stake music director that says, Hey, we're going to put on a show. And then they only reach out to the people that they know in the stake. Right. And other people get left out. And yeah. I feel like this happens a lot in the church that it's like there's this group of people who maybe all studied at BYU together or they all kind of know each sure. other. And because yeah. people draw on their networks for people for projects. So I yeah. love that they're putting together this database because it gives people opportunity to participate. There's like so many talented people in the church. Yeah. And they don't always get thought of as hey, we should ask this person if they want to be a part of this project. So yeah, I love yeah. that. So yeah, I think it's super cool. So are you going to put yourself in the database? Like um, I can snap and clap while I sing? <laughs> um, when it comes to <laughs> musical talent, you know, I, I have great range, great vocal range. So yes, you, know, you I, do. I, but I can't read music and I don't okay. know the... So it's like, I'm very limited in what I can do. I can blend I think you well. just say that. I just think you put yourself in the database and say, I can sing really high if you need someone to do Duke <laughs> of Earl, for example, like that really high part in Duke of Earl. I can hit that, but I can't read music. Huh? And give, I'm, give it a whirl. I'm really bad at following directions and I'm probably going to be disruptive during practice because I'm going to get bored yes. while other people do their thing. But Okay, not I, you. Maybe you really need my falsetto. You want to know what I'm good at? Hmm. Tambourine. Tambourine. I have my own tambourine. Now, I've never taken any lessons, okay? Okay. And I I don't know if you do read music for tambourine. That's probably a thing, but I don't know. But I just feel like I'm naturally skilled at the shaking, especially when you shake and then you hit your hip. Like, I'm really (laughs) good at that move. So. So (laughs) I don't don't know how often you watch the church concerts, but. Typically, the tambourine is a part of a percussion section. Yes, they are. They want yes. you to do more than just tambourine. I only do tambourine. <laughs> only tambourine. <laughs> so it's possible that our information in the database would get lost or it would well, get put in this category of... Or hey. you'll see me at the Christmas concert with the Tabernacle Choir shaking my tambourine. It could be any of them. So, Melissa, this next story is a little political, which I know we try to avoid on This Week in Mormons. I mean, we can talk politics. It's fine. It's it's in the news. And so um, I not, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this letter from the Utah area presidency, but the month of September is Constitution Month. And okay. so in the United States, you know, we celebrate the Constitution. The Utah legislature passed a law uh, uh, saying we want to honor Constitution Month in the state of Utah. And so the area presidency sent out a letter saying... Hey, Stakes, we want you to do something in your stake to kind of promote the Constitution, uh, maybe help people 
develop a greater reverence for the founding fathers and things like that. Okay. And one of the one of the things that they suggested as an activity was uh, to look at this the materials from this nonprofit group. And I don't the link to this is in the show notes if you're interested in the details. Okay. So the the group is technically nonpartisan. But if you look at who's running the group and who founded the group, it's basically some Republicans, and, and they're the Republicans who pushed for this law. Okay. And so the thing that I wonder about with this is there was a letter from the first presidency saying, hey, um, there's not one party that represents us, and you could be a member of either party. And in, in terms of the Constitution and patriotism, there are lots of different views about how one should express their patriotism, how they should think about the founding. There's like just a variety of views. And so yeah. I wonder like when the Utah area presidency promotes a very specific way of celebrating the constitution or revering the founding fathers, does that kind of undermine the other thing that says get active in politics? We don't care what side you're on or how you do it. We just want you to be active. But then the Utah area presidency is like, but we would also like you to kind of do it this way. Okay. I think the way that you're looking at this, Matt, is very respectful and educated and maybe coming from someone who knows a lot about political science, as oh. you do, oh. right? Maybe as I'm you thinking do. about it a little too much. Maybe you're thinking about it a little too much because here's the thing. Um, I don't know why patriotism has to be uh, partisan. I don't, I don't think that it it does. And and I know that you study politics a lot and you're like, there's a lot of different ways to, to look at patriotism. Yeah. But to me, it, the way that I am patriotic has nothing to do with like my, I don't know, my beliefs in like Republican, Democrat, who should be in charge, who should run things. Like they're not related to me. Um, and then secondly, if I just clicked on this link that you said is going to be in the show notes, uh, I I wouldn't have any idea that it was like, partisan one way or the other. It's literally just called like why I love America, like why I love America and just some things about us. So, I mean, I think, no, yeah. I don't know. I, well, I also think like maybe they went for something easy too. like, let's just give them this really quick thing to look at. This is great. I don't know. Well, so Melissa, like some people show their patriotism by kneeling at the, during the national anthem. Right. And okay. some people say, Wait, that's not patriotism. That's like disrespect of the country of the flag. Right? Okay, so, but does one have to be Democrat and one have to be Republican? Or can't well, those just be patriotically held beliefs? But they like they but if I kneel for the national anthem, that's going to make some people mad and say you're not being patriotic. And for other yeah. people, it's like patriotism really involves these sorts of symbols that get tied up with things like with the military and things like uh -huh. that. Yeah. And some people would say celebrating war is not patriotic. Celebrating the military is not patriotic. If you want to talk about service to the country, there's all the people who work in the State Department and all the people yeah. who work in the IRS. And we should celebrate that kind of like service to the nation. So, But I think you can hold any of those beliefs without being directly tied to one political party or the other. Like. It, but the, why but the are, are Democrats say, naturally more supportive of the military? Like, no, Republicans no, it's are. just, no, that's just something that you, you think oh. is a political science person who studies political science. But why can't I just have my beliefs in patriotism and it not be tied to a political party? I think that's more, 
I don't know. Maybe we live in too divided a world and, and I don't see it, but I don't see that those things have to be tied to one party or the other. Yeah, but the symbols people choose to celebrate when talking about the founding of the nation uh-huh. is very partisan and very divisive. So, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. true. I probably think too much about it. And I'd, Okay. I'd, I mean, yeah. you you can think about it a lot. That's totally fine. I mean, I think it's important to have people who think deeply about these things. And frankly, if I had seen this story, I wouldn't even have thought about this. So I think it is good that you brought it up to, you know, to make us think about it a little bit more. And I do have a story. Melissa, Oh, just like seriously, there were founding fathers who were anti-federalists, right? Which means they did not support the ratification of the Constitution. So mm-hmm. if you say let's revere the founding fathers and let's reverence the Constitution, those things are like mutually exclusive because there are some founding fathers who didn't revere the Constitution. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like the whole thing gets a little bit confusing to me. Like I understand, like we have beliefs about the founding of the nation and the and all of those sorts of things. Yeah, but sometimes it gets really kind of partisan in the way people think about it. Okay, let's hear your yeah. story. But I still think it's okay and a good idea for the church to say, like, this is an important part of being a member of the church is um, is paying attention to patriotism. So, so every I think every so. every September. They do a little survey that asks people questions of their knowledge of the Constitution. And uh-huh. it's always hilarious how little people know about the Constitution. Like they'll say, name one right that's in the First Amendment. And there are only 25% of Americans that can name, um, I think it's any of the rights that are in the First Amendment. And if okay, you say, so the right to all day breakfast at McDonald's. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> No, that's freedom not one. of freedom of speech, freedom of speech, freedom, freedom of, of religion, religion freedom, freedom of, of the assembly. press, yeah, freedom assembly. of the press, yeah, yeah. You could say any of those, and it would count. Okay, and only twenty five percent of Americans can name any of those. Freedom of flying a flag from my truck. Sure, that's like expression. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Here's my story. Okay. So at um at sacrament meeting on Sunday, we had um men from our young men's organization, and they were giving talks on basically how to train up a young man. So like one of them was about like teaching young men to work. One of them was like about teaching them the value of fatherhood. So so they were all just kind of talking about like, how can we support our young men and teach our young men the gospel and help them to become good hard workers and good fathers and good members of the church. So we had um, a few talks on that. And then the talks were going long. So we skipped our intermediate hymn. And um, the sp- our intermediate hymn was supposed to be America the Beautiful. And the speaker was like, no, we need to sing that song. So so the bishop got up and he was like, okay, we're going to move the intermediate hymn. It's going to be the closing hymn. And we're going to let our next speaker speak. Okay, good. Okay. So the next speaker, the final speaker stands up. He's wearing a red, white, and blue flag tie. He looks very nice, very sharp. And he says, it is the month of July. And uh, frankly, we need to have a talk about the Constitution. And, um, yep, he had 12 pages typed, written. It was a very good talk. It was very, mm, his manner of speaking was very, like, stern and serious. (laughs) And it went back into, like, all this history. Like, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is, like, important. But also, final speaker, (laughs) like, we're already over time. Anyways, and he he would talk about um, people in history, and he would be like – 
I'm trying to remember what he said, but basically he died for his honor. He died for his faith. He died for his family. He died for his country. Anyways, he talked nothing about what he was assigned to speak on. He just really <laughs> wanted to give a patriotic constitutional talk. And he really wanted to make sure we sang America the Beautiful. So then he closed and we sang it and, and it was all good. But I was like, listen, I hear you, man. Like this is like this is a man who who named his children like constitutional names, like really important. I'm not going to tell you his Alexander kids' names. Alexander Hamilton. Um, but yeah, like you could, this is Smith. very important to him. And I was like, yeah, this is important to have a talk about in church. It was just kind of, it was just kind of funny the way it went down. Yeah. Our, anyway. our church on Sunday was about, it was the sister missionaries and they spoke about the plan of salvation and Jesus. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I don't different. want to say that one's more important than the other. <laughs> you know, we did sing patriotic songs. <laughs> I think maybe we didn't. Okay. Yeah. Well, every ward does it differently. That's what makes our church so fun. Hey, Melissa, it is my favorite segment of the entire show. Famous, famous Mormons. Okay. You might remember that there was a TV show back in the day called Roseanne, and there was a, re- a reboot recently called The Connors. Yes, I remember Roseanne. And yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if we were allowed to watch it when we were young. Because I feel like it was a little edgy, was it? It always makes me laugh, the things we couldn't watch. Because I remember on Sundays, we would go to our grandparents' house and watch The Simpsons every Sunday. (laughs) The Simpsons had to be more edgy than Roseanne was, but I don't know. Yeah, but I don't think we could watch Roseanne. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to do famous Mormons or Mormon adjacent people in the Roseanne show. The question is, which star of the Connors and Roseanne, because the Connors is the same people, okay. was was raised a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Okay, got it. We have John Goodman. On. Do you know John Goodman? John Goodman, yes. He's like, he was in the West Wing. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And he's, yeah. yeah, he's very famous. And did you know he's actually lost like 200 pounds recently? Yeah, I'm Googling yeah. him right now, and holy moly, he looks like a completely different person. Yeah, I he, remember him as 200 pounds heavier. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He so was John Goodman. Okay. And then we got Roseanne Matt, Barr. I don't even need to know the rest. I'm going to pick him. Okay, go on. Who's next? <laughs> Roseanne Rose, Barr. Okay, Roseanne so Roseanne. Barr. Okay, yeah. Okay. And then their oldest daughter, Sarah Sarah Gilbert. Is that her real name or her TV yeah, her show name? name? Wasn't her Gilbert. name Sarah on Roseanne, too? Okay, oh, really? never mind. No, I don't know. I know who she is, though. Yeah, she's okay. like the dark-haired one. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think John Goodman. Because doesn't he just have like a very Mormon-looking like demeanor? Well, and since last time it was Wilford Brimley, I could see why you might say, oh. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, old white men. <laughs> but no, the answer is Roseanne. Roseanne Barr. It's Roseanne? Yeah. But she's so, uh, <laughs> what's the word? Harsh? <laughs> so, she's harsh. Um, well, so the story is uh, her grandmother is Jewish, and her grandmother okay. did not like the idea of her family abandoning Judaism. So she says that on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they were Jewish. But huh. the other days of the week, they were members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So she grew up a member of our church. Did she grow up in Salt Lake or Utah? Um, I think maybe. I it's okay. Know. I'll Wikipedia. It. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Born in Salt Lake City to a Jewish family. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. It's really okay. sad that we lost her. She would have been a phenomenal General Relief Society president or something like that. Or any any call, Ward Relief huh. Society president. Huh. Okay. Primary teacher. 
Um, uh, yeah. Roach stake talent director. Yes. <laughs> Anyhow, it's young women's of- camp director. Oh, could you imagine Roseanne doing that? Okay, yeah, that was funny. Fun. Okay. Okay, you did a good job this week. Okay, it's yeah. time for big deal, little deal, or no deal. Okay, so we're going to look at the headlines. If we think they're a big deal, we'll talk about them a little bit more. You go first. What have you got for me, Matt? A Utah man was stabbed to death in Oregon defending <gasps> friend against harassment. Oh. Uh-huh. Is that a big deal, little deal, or no deal? Three, two, one. Little deal. deal. Well, I'm saying big deal because it's a big deal to his family. Yeah, I think it's a big deal as far as a story. Just a little deal as far as like how many things happen in the big church around the world and like one person. But let's hear the story. I'm interested in it. So he's in Oregon with his friend who's a member of the LGBTQ community. And somebody at the bar starts like harassing his friend. And I really don't think that he thought it was going to escalate the way that it did. But huh. uh, he stepped in to say, hey, leave my friend alone. And then the guy stabbed him to death. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. You really um, don't think that could happen, right? Like if you're. No, I really I, don't. I would like if somebody was harassing anybody I know, I would say, hey, knock it off. And I would yeah. never, ever think that it could end in something like that. Yeah. Huh. Well, yeah. maybe what I've learned is we should send this story to the guy who. Um, made the comment about silicone slopes. And we should be like, actually, the anti-LGBT harassment is happening in Oregon and members of our church are the ones who are we're stepping in and being like, knock it off. We're the defenders. And we're dying for it. <laughs> okay, I think we'll do that. Uh, Can I make I it too extreme? But I, cloud yeah. fair, cloud fair CEO, <laughs> yeah, cloud fair. take note. Hit us up. We, we've got it. We've got information. Okay, here's my headline, okay? Latter-day Saint girl with c- cerebral palsy choreographed a wheelchair dance to win a national competition. Ready? Big deal, little deal, no deal. Three, two, one. Little deal. Little deal. Little deal. Yeah, we agree. It's a great story, though. Um, And I think, listeners, if you click on the show notes, you can actually see the dance that this um, girl created in her wheelchair. But Matt, do you remember reflections from growing up? Yes. I remember that we had a reflections competition. Yeah, it still goes on all over the United States. And it's basically a competition where students in all grades, they enter categories of like artistic things. So um, like painting, sculpting, dance, poetry, literature, all kinds of things. And they enter their work. And anyways, this Latter-day Saint little girl entered her dance and she has cerebral palsy. So she's in a wheelchair. Her name's Willa Mason. And she um, created and choreographed a dance in her wheelchair. And she won Reflections all the way up to the national level. And here's the thing. Is it the most amazing dance I've ever seen? No, she's seven years old and she's in a wheelchair. But this girl is so cute. You cannot help but love her. Her smile, just everything about her is just infectious. She's darling and amazing. And and yeah, I would go check that out. So Melissa, do you know that Willa Mason's dad is Patrick Mason? Patrick Mason. You heard of him? No, from the, the author Patrick Mason? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love his books. No, I did not know that. Yeah, so that's his daughter, the Willa Mason that did the Reflections Contest. That's his daughter with cerebral palsy. Oh, that's cool. That That's a good insight. Okay, that's cool to know. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, okay what's so your next headline? The GOP has a glaring Mormon problem. Big oh. deal, little deal, no deal. Three, two, one, little deal. Big deal, 
Okay, tell it, me. It sounds insane. A, a glaring Mormon problem? <laughs> Is the GOP against us? <laughs> so I, I put links to these two stories in the show notes. Uh, okay. Bas- basically, um, older members of our church in the United States tend to be Republican. Younger mm-hmm. members of our church tend to be more Democrat. Uh, we've talked about this before. And so yeah. a lot of people. It was are enlightening taking- when we talked about it before. A lot of people are taking <laughs> notice of this and writing about it. So one is an opinion piece in the Washington Post saying okay. the GOP needs to kind of change what they're doing or they're going to lose members of our church. And then the other one is uh, um, in the conversation. I talked about that publication before, but this is um, David uh-huh. Campbell. He's a political scientist at Notre Dame University, also a member of our church. And he writes a little piece uh, talking about, our church and politics and all that sort of stuff. So if people want to know more, they can read that. I, okay. I just thought we'd mention it because there's some enlightening things on those topics right now. But I think it's kind of a little deal. A little deal. Okay, great. So. Okay, here's my headline. Utah's Governor Spencer Cox on Face the Nation. Big deal, little deal, no deal. Three, two, one. No deal. Big deal. No deal. No deal. A governor on a CBS News program? I think if we look at this, I think if we look at this not as a political story, but as an LDS story, it's a big deal. Here's the thing. Spencer Cox does such a great job representing our religion. He really does. Now, politics aside, if you like the things he does or you don't like the things he does, he's a very good member of our church. And in the things that he does, he's not afraid to say like, this is my belief. I'm, you know, I'm Christian or I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And he's not afraid to make moral decisions based on what he believes and or what his constituents want him to do. Um, So regardless of, you know, that, and he was, of course, like speaking as a governor and as a politician, but I think he represented himself and mainly his LDS community so well. Like I was very, very impressed with him. What did he say? So I think it's kind of a big deal. What did he say that would make us all happy? Did he say anything like on? Um, That would make us all happy? Well, that just represents us well. Well, um, I think that he talked a lot about things that um, we believe about protecting families. So he talked about um, Utah's ban on social media for anybody under the age of 13. Um, and he framed it as something that we do to protect children because that's a value that we believe in. Um, he talked about um, uh, he was a little bit anti-Trump. <laughs> oh, really? Not anti, but he was like, you know. Wow. He, he didn't say that. He didn't say that he didn't like Trump, but he said that he thought that a governor could definitely defeat Trump. And he was referring to some of the other governors running against Trump. Um, And then he posted. So on Face the Nation, obviously, they edited a lot, but um, he posted the full interview. And in that full interview, so the unedited version, um, I think that he he just mentioned a few things that didn't get aired um, completely, but um, but he talked about yeah again like about how important the family is, how important it is to protect children, and how um, and how Utah's leading the way in doing those things. I thought it was okay. good. All right, I guess I guess okay. that's a big deal. Okay, my story is thanks, Matt. Thanks for coming around on that. <laughs> My story is the Utah area is having a YSA conference in August. Big deal, little deal, okay, or no deal. Three, 
two, one. Big deal. Little deal. Oh. Okay. Okay. I would have said no deal, except I've heard a little bit about this, and I actually think it's pretty cool. You say big deal. Tell us what it is. So there, it's for the whole month of August. You pay fifty dollars, and you get to go to there's a. And this is just for young single adults, so eighteen through like thirty one or something. Eighteen to thirty one, yeah. And you have to reside in the. Well, okay. you don't have someone who goes with you has to reside in the Utah area. So like you can bring a friend if you want to. Um, so here's the events okay. that they're having. There's a concert with One Republic, Tori Kelly, and Jordan Smith. Um, there's going to be a YSA. That's a big deal. That's a yeah. big concert. I think so. There's going to be a YSA dance. Yeah. A 5K fun run. Awesome. A um, yes. ga- gather together conference at the Salt Palace. Um, and that, huh. go- that goes from 12 p.m. noon until 10 p.m. And then there's going to be a, a devotional huh. for all the young adults. So I don't know. I say big deal because um, you you have this in other countries where they try to get all of the youth together to kind of meet each other and get to know each other. And I think oftentimes in the state yeah. of Utah, it's based on institutes or what school you go to or something like that. So if you're not in college or you're not connected to an institute, often you don't get invited to participate mm-hmm. in these kinds of things. And so I think this is a big deal because they're trying to get everyone yeah. together. Yeah. And I've seen billboards all over Utah, just kind of advertising it. So even if you've got a, a young single adult who doesn't attend church a lot, they're trying to get them um, out to this conference and get them to associate with other Latter-day Saint um, young adults. Yeah, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty cool. And, and, and they've, they've done a good job of making it like, yeah. And it's something that I feel like they would actually want to attend. You know what yeah. I mean? I think they're yeah. making it pretty cool. So yeah, good job. Okay. Okay. There is my headline is there's a new book by Robert Millet and it discusses overlooked aspects of priesthood blessings. <laughs> Big deal, little deal, no deal. Don't laugh before you say no deal. Three, <laughs> two, one. No deal. Little deal. Who's Robert Millet? No deal. Look, it's who's Robert Millet? He yeah. he's I've heard of Robert Millet. He's written a ton of books. Um, oh, let's oh, see. Oh, oh. He's like church stuff, right? He's, he's, a, like he's a, a religious professor. Yeah. He's yeah, a BYU, yeah, yeah. um, religion instructor. Oh yeah. Okay. I remember. And yes, this is just a promotion of his book. So it's like a little deal, but there, there was something in this article that I thought was interesting. And it, it it's like when he talks about misconceptions about the priesthood. So I'm going to throw this out to you and, and you tell me what you think. So this is what Robert Millet said. Okay. So he said, um, In the naming and blessing of babies, often the father doesn't bless the child. The father prays for Heavenly Father to bless the child. And the fact is that it's the right of the priesthood holder to seek inspiration and give the blessing rather than asking Heavenly Father to do it. I think there's some misunderstanding there. What do you think about that? Yeah, so I've heard this. Like when a person's giving a blessing, they'll say, we ask thee to blah, 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 blah. And then other people will Uh say to the person, we bless you that la, 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 la. And so so he's saying that priesthood holders should not be saying, we ask thee to la, la, la. We should say, we bless you that la, la, la. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Don't ask Heavenly Father to do it. Go ahead and give the blessing and and bless them with it. And have have the power to do that. Have faith that Heavenly Father will support what you bless them with. Um, I, yeah. I think Melissa, I think I can, I don't understand. know. I just thought it was an interesting thought. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not. Uh, that's something that back when they had priesthood sessions in general conference, I would hear talks about that regularly in priesthood session where they would say that kind of thing. So I guess it's not that new to me, but mm-hmm. I, I could understand. It seems weird to write a book about that. Like, how how do you fill enough content? Well, his book is about a lot of things. That was just an interesting thing that I thought about it. And and listen, you don't need to buy his book. It, I, I, obviously, it's just a promotion article, but I thought it was worth talking about. I'm inspired to write a new book where I'm going to go to a new congregation each week, only if they're having blessings of some kind. And I'm just going to co- record the blessing <laughs> and then just at the end, evaluate it. Be like... <laughs> These were the good ones. These were the bad ones. I like These were they... the not so good ones. <laughs> That's right. Okay, I'm going to do an appendix where I make a list of all the names that are blessed so that we can really look at, at what kinds of names Mormon people are giving their children and the spellings of them. So I'll do the appendix and you do the main book. I was talking to my Got a son today. On our hands. I was like, if I have another child, which by the way is not possible, but if I had another child, I would name her. <laughs> Karen, because that would just be not because I want her to be. Stop. I just want to say, and the name you'll be known by on the records of the church is Karen. And then I would open my eyes and look at the congregation and just see. Is there any reaction to people saying, wait, wait, why are you doing that to your daughter? Wait, wait, wait. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, I think we've. I think we've uh, veered a lot. We've veered a lot. <laughs> okay. Well, the next story is a little bit more inspirational. Uh, the church has announced Great. three new temples in Africa. Big deal, little deal, no deal. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Three new temples in Africa. Sorry, did if I say I- temples? Missions. Yeah, I was going to say, if it's temples, that's a big deal, because I haven't heard one word about this. Missions. Three okay, new... they've entered... Start again. <laughs> Three new missions in Africa? Yes, okay. missions. Okay, big deal, little deal, or no deal. Okay. Three, two, one. Big deal. Big deal. Okay, good. Big yeah, deal. We're... Yeah, I think that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Three missions Three new Africa. missions? I mean, that means the church is growing like mad over there. Right? So Isn't that what that growing. means? Yes. Or that it's about to. Yeah, it's going. <laughs> the missionary work in Africa is going so well. Okay, so yeah. Mel- Melissa, we have okay. my favorite. Wait, I can't have too many favorite segments. This is on my list of favorite segments. I know, but everything's your favorite segment. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's called Mormons <laughs> Doing Goodly. Goodly. Mormons yeah. Doing Goodly. Yeah. All right. Tell me what you got. Okay, so here in Oklahoma, uh, the the Norman stake mm-hmm. for like youth conference or something like that, they said, we're going to take all of the youth to Nauvoo. And so they, they stopped at Liberty Jail, and they, they had a bus taking them. They went to Carthage, and they stayed in dorms somewhere near Nauvoo. And then they went to the temple in Nauvoo. And while they were in the temple, wow. there was a huge storm. They call it a derecha. I don't know what that word means, but the storm had 100 mile an hour winds, knocked down all these huge trees. Um, And there's a story in the show notes. You can read all about it. So the youth are in the temple, the Nauvoo temple doing baptisms and the power goes out while they're doing baptisms. And so, (laughs) yeah, so the wow, it's like all dark there for a little while. And then the generator kicks in and the auxiliary lights come on. And then the temple said, we're going to uh-huh. keep everybody here until the storm blows over. And so 
they just sat in the temple and sang hymns for a while while the storm blew through. And, um, wow. And this was, that's what happened in the temple. And in the story, you can read about what the missionaries Mm -hmm. did in other areas. But basically, like the saints all kind of came together to keep everybody safe during this huge windstorm. And then the next day, the neighboring town, Keokuk, Iowa, they all got together and helped clean up the mess of the windstorm, both in Nauvoo and in Keokuk, Iowa. So Mormons doing goodly is members of our church. Yeah. Helping each other out in hard times. Yeah, those youth are going to be telling that story for a long time. <laughs> and the adults, too. It was quite a story. Like, well, I heard all about it yeah. from the, the saints in Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Okay, Maddie, are you ready for this week in Mormon history? Oh, history I love this one. History. <laughs> history. I know. I you're hate gonna, history so much. You're going to love this, Melissa. Bring it, Matt. You're going to love this. And hun- me. Okay. 180 years ago this week, Joseph Smith records okay, in his that's journal. that's a long time ago. A very long time ago. He records in his journal okay. that he told Emma Smith about polygamy. And she, oh. she did not take it well. She wasn't a fan of the idea. Anyhow, uh-huh. that was a long time ago. Yeah. That's it. Okay, so he wrote in his journal, this is the day that I told Emma about polygamy. She was not pleased. Um, there's a link yeah, to the full story in the show notes. But yeah, there's he, he writes in his journal something about disharmony in the home. <laughs> and other people wrote in the uh-huh. Like Hiram kind of learned about it at the same time. And there's something about like transfer of property into her, into Emma's name. This happened shortly during this period of time that suggests that like she's like whatever if you're gonna do that you're gonna at least give me the house or something i don't know i don't know the history that well but (laughs) this is when he told her about polygamy and she did not take it well okay yeah okay interesting okay great okay we're gonna go we'll go even further back in time than that to 190 years ago this week this is this is in the yeah so in the July issue of the Evening and Morning Star, W.W. Phelps writes an article quoting state law in Missouri and the Constitution, and um, basically it's construed by the locals to be anti-slavery. And so this is one of those things that like riles oh. up the saints in Missouri, not the saints, the locals in Missouri against the saints. And causes them to sort of want to kick all the Mormons okay. out of Missouri because they're like, oh, you're anti-slavery. Interesting. Huh. So yeah. did do you think W.W. Phelps knew it would be controversial when he said it? I don't think he did. Or was and he trying to get people on his team? I think, <laughs> uh, you know, you never <laughs> know about these kinds of things. Um, that was a hotbed yeah. of like the... There were a lot of people from New England that moved to the Kansas Territory or to Missouri because they were anti-slavery and they wanted to create new anti-slavery states in the West. And members of our Mm -hmm. church just happened to be moving from New England to Missouri at that time. And so it like this sort of stuff kind of started a lot of the Civil War. But this is what sort of made the people Mm -hmm. in Missouri say, oh, you're not just about religion. You're about anti-slavery. And so it fueled a lot of anger against the church at that time. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Hit me one more. 
Okay, the last one is a little more lighthearted. So this is only 45 years okay. ago, Melissa. So Ron Walker. Okay, so. Yeah. Ron Walker. Okay. Ron Walker is in the church history department. This is in um, uh, Leonard Arrington was a, a church history, a church historian. And so there's, he like wrote a biography mm-hmm. about his life as a church historian. And he sort of tells this story. But there's an element in the story that I think is so fun. Okay, so Ron Walker, who's in the okay. church history department, says to uh, Leonard Arrington, um, I think Elder Hinckley could be a good champion for us, meaning church historians, if he finally came to know us. Is he talking about Gordon B. Hinckley? Yeah. And he says, he is the okay. only one of the brethren who has a listed phone number. Because of that, he receives many crank calls, but he feels he needs to do it. He feels at least one of the brethren should have a listed number so that people can find someone to tell off or express their feelings to. Wow. Isn't that great? Okay. Yeah. 40, so, so only 45 years ago. What was Elder Hinckley's, what was Elder Hinckley's church position at that time? He, the, he was in the first presidency. Know? He was in the first presidency. Okay, that's what I was saying. It wasn't that long ago. Okay. And yeah. he had an, a listed phone number so that people, people could, could call, call him, him. And complain. And he... Yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? Interesting. <laughs> yes. So that I kind of yeah. like that story because it just shows like in just our lifetime, the change of this church from like a sort of a, lo- a large local organization to just a global faith. Like the idea yeah. that that anyone in the quorum of the 12 or the first presidency would have their phone number where someone could just call them at home and say, Hey, by the way, I didn't like your general conference talk. Like in our, it's just in our lifetimes yeah. that changed. That's cr- yeah. 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 Well, yeah. If they, if they had their text number, I would text them as often as I do grandpa Beck and that could get out of hand. <laughs> that could get out of hand. <laughs> Elder Uchtdorf, do you have a, a message for this week in Mormon listeners? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, that was fun, Matt. Good job on This Week in Mormon History. Well, and that brings us to the end of another wonderful episode of This Week in Mormons. So, listeners, just a couple of things. Which is the original Mormon News podcast. I'd like to yeah. shout out to one of our very most devoted listeners named Richie, who oh, um, yeah. doesn't like us to say that this is the original Mormon News podcast. But listen. It is the original Mormon News podcast. Carry on, Maddie. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) So we would love to have you subscribe to Patreon and you can get bonus content. If you go to Patreon, it might say Mm -hmm. something like you need to subscribe for $70 a month or something like that. You can subscribe uh, at any dollar amount that works for you each month and you'll get access to our bonus content. Yeah. That big $70 thing threw, threw a lot of people off. It's it's not how much it costs. You can literally subscribe for $1 to $3 a month, and uh, and we hope you will. Yeah. And also, if you don't want to subscribe to Patreon, you want the free stuff, then you can c- catch us on social media on Facebook.com slash This Week in Mormons, or we're on Twitter at The Real Twim. Um, I also have a podcast that I host called The Latter-Day Lens. You're welcome to check me out there. I have weekly content on the Latter-day Lens. And uh, you can also yeah, send Yeah, there was some good content on the Latter-day Lens this week. Sorry for interrupting that. But yeah, yeah. this week you guys talked about um, finding cocaine in the White House. Oh, that's and right. um, you talked about 
flip-flopping, um, people who have been elected flip-flopping on issues. Yeah. And then you've related it to um, uh, perspectives from members of the church, like how as members of the church we should look at things like that. So I found it very interesting. So yeah, listeners, you should definitely check out the Latter-day Lens. Thank you, Melissa. And also, if you want to contact uh-huh. us, uh, send something for the mailbag, you can reach us at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. You can also visit the website thisweekinmormons.com to leave a voice comment. And we'd just like to thank you for listening to This Week in Mormons. We will talk to you again. Thank you, listeners. Probably next month. Thanks a lot. Bye.